What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt here with Mike K for the midweek episode of the No Huddle Show. The Eagles coming off a 17-10 loss to the Patriots. Big game coming up on Sunday that was flexed from nighttime to 1 p.m., which I'm sure you were thrilled about, correct? Yeah, I am <laughs> super stoked. Yes, the the late we've complained about them on this before. We don't need a lot, but the late night games are tough for us. Yeah, <laughs> tougher for us than the players, in my opinion. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, so the Eagles have the Seahawks this week. The Cowboys have the Patriots. Um, we can we can get into like the the weight of this game, I guess, to start out, because uh, there's not like a lot of newsy stuff that happened this week. But so there's like I've seen a lot of talk on Twitter like if the Eagles lose this game, they're fine. I think that's like a stretch of that statement because I don't know if they're necessarily fine. So it's not a guarantee the Cowboys lose to the Patriots, first of all. So if they do lose, if the Cowboys do lose to the Patriots, then yes, they're, they're, they're not out of it. They're not out of it. Phrase it. So I I think this isn't a good football team. Like everybody's just assuming they're going to win four games in a row or something. So statistically speaking and reality speaking, fine isn't the right word. Yes. I would say that, that they are still in a good spot to win the division. Fine is not the case. Fine would imply that... Um, I, I don't even know if good spot... I think even good spot might be a situation. I, I think mean, they can still win the division. I, I mean, think. they have to do exactly what Dallas needs to do. They have the same parameters. Essentially, um, they have to go 4-1 and one in their final five games. And, and my point is, there's what evidence do we have that this team is capable of doing that? I mean... Yeah, that's None. fair. I, I think that's fair. But they have beat up on bad teams. They did beat the the Redskins. They did beat the Bears. They barely beat, beat the Redskins. Right, but they beat they whooped With on the, the Jets. Yeah. I mean, they're playing like I covered the Jets Giants game a couple of weeks ago, and the Giants aren't very good. I mean, I do think the Giants could steal one. I'm not saying that. I think any given Sunday. Right? Well, that's my that's my point though. Like the Eagles, as much as any of these teams competing for a playoff team, can lose to anybody. Yeah, but to your point, I, yeah, I don't think that fine might, is the right word. Yes. Here's the thing: you want to like, win the Seattle game so you can give yourself wiggle room. Every win you get gives you more margin for error. Um, if Dallas loses to the Patriots and and the Eagles beat the C, or the Eagles beat the Seahawks, the Eagles are in fine position. I think losing and another team losing those oh, two if, wrongs. If the, Eagles, if the Eagles win on Sunday, then they're in good shape. Like right, that's what shape. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But losing, right? Two. My point was about yeah. Essentially, two wrongs do not make the Eagles right. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, so, so what what do you think about if the Eagles do lose and the Cowboys do beat the Patriots? Then are are the Eagles done? I don't they're, think they're, he, they're two games back and like the tiebreakers all of a sudden don't look as good. I don't think they're done, but they are. I mean, they, they would need like la- like a miracle from last year. Yeah. Where everything worked out, yeah. Yeah, they are in relatively bad. Need a, need a win out. Need to beat the Cowboys. Need the Cowboys to lose a couple games. <laughs> right, yeah. and 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 the thing is too is when you look at this schedule, the Cowboys do have a a rougher schedule. I do wonder if the Bears are going to make the move to Chase Daniel. If they do that, they can pay, play a much more. Well, I was to say football. so. On paper, the Cowboys' schedule like isn't maybe as hard as it looked like if you look in the beginning of the season. And the Cowboys are an iffy team is probably a big part of it, I think. But like so, the like Bears aren't a good football team, even whether it's Trubisky or Daniel, they're not good. Right, I'm not saying um, that. I, I, but I, the Bills are beatable. The Rams are clearly beatable. The Redskins stink. The Patriots are the toughest one they have. So here's what I'll say with that. They've played a lot of sloppy football. Yeah. I'm not even. I'm not even say. I think Dallas except wins. against the Eagles, <laughs> right? I think Dallas does inevitably win the division yeah. if they beat the Patriots. Like, oh yeah, if they win, I think 
it's the season's not over, like you said, but like you can put the percentage pretty high on that. Right. But what I will say is I don't trust them to put on a, a, a huge winning streak. These are both two very flawed teams. Yes. The Eagles and the Cowboys are both extremely flawed. Um, <clears throat> the Bills matchup, while it's in Dallas and it's on Thanksgiving, it does intrigue me a lot because Dallas's defense does a poor job of tackling. And if Josh Allen can play the way he did against the Dolphins and some of these other teams where he's been able to kind of gain momentum as a runner, I, don't know I think if the Dolphins be, are a good measuring stick. But they're not. But I'm just saying he has had some pretty good performances, and I think what they'll do. Well, t- okay, not sorry to cut you off, but he they've played the Redskins, Brown, and Dolphins the last three weeks, and he was awful against the Eagles. So yeah, he was awful against the Eagles. Again, I get what you're saying, but also. Josh Allen, if he can get going, it. I'm not saying that Dallas is going to lose to any of these yeah. teams. What I'm saying I is, is I think that it, it's hard to put on a streak. Just like I don't think the Eagles can really win out the way yeah. you know that's projected. I mean, I mean to your point, the Cowboys haven't beat anybody good. Uh, Correct. So I mean, they they were only lost by two to the Saints. I don't know if Breeze was playing that game. I can't he remember. was not. He was not. Yeah, that's that's that was the whole thing. Is the Cowboys had such an early. Easy schedule to start out. Only lost to the Packers by ten. Lost to the Jets by two. Killed the Eagles, which is actually their their like only like legit good win on their schedule probably. And I don't know how good it even is considered. But and then they barely lost to the Vikings and barely beat the Lions. And the Lions didn't have Matt. Stafford. And the Lions. So like they're they're definitely a sketch team. But like we talked about this a little after the game. The, the Cowboys are much more capable offensively of coming back when they're down as opposed to like the Eagles. So I, that's why I think the Cowboys will be in every game. Well, and, Whether and, they win them is another thing, obviously. Right, but. and being a dome team, when you can put up offensive points, it typically helps you. On the road, I'm interested to kind of see how the weather elements do impact yeah, them. Yeah, so yeah, their road games are the Patriots, Bears, Eagles. Yeah, all cold weather teams. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. I still think the Cowboys are a better team than the Eagles. Yeah, I, I, I just, mean, they, they beat them 37-10, to 10, so until they play again, you kind of have to say that they're a better team. <laughs> right, I just... I wouldn't put the it past the Eagles, even if they lose to Seattle to win the division. I just think their odds are very stacked against. So, them. so what would you put like? So, if the Eagles lose on Sunday, and the Cowboys lose, what would you put the percentage at that the Eagles win the division? Forty. Forty. And what about if the Eagles win and the Cowboys lose, so they're tied? Sixty. So you do. You, so if that happens, do you think the Eagles win the division? Like, is that is it that much? Of a I, I think switch? they're in like a very good spot to win the division. They also give themselves a lot of wiggle room because. If the Cowboys lose to the Patriots and then lose to Chicago or Buffalo and the Eagles beat Seattle and, and Miami, they're going to have a full game ahead of them, so the tiebreaker might not even yeah. matter, even if they do lose to, inevitably to the Cowboys, and then they can win out the rest of the division. I, I feel like we, we probably had this exact conversation like around this time last year. Like I, I think mm-hmm. that just says a lot about where the Eagles are at right now. Like th- that You and I have kind of texted about this. They feel way more the last two seasons like the 2016 version of the Eagles than the 2017 version. And I think it's fair. I mean, you know, here's the thing, too, is they could lose to to um, Seattle and then lose to the Cowboys and still finish with the same record as last year, 9-7. That's seven. a good point, yeah. I so, mean, it wouldn't be that. It shouldn't. They should get to at least nine wins regardless of what happens the rest right. of the Right. I mean, look, I don't think Doug Peterson's job's in jeopardy. No, no, I, don't, no. I don't even think Jim Schwartz's job's really in jeopardy either. I think it's more of a situation where they really need to – look at this roster and look at this coaching staff and realize there are some clear flaws in it and they need to adjust those. They also need to get a lot younger. You know, this team's dead. 
Malik Jackson, her, Malik Jackson's injury has hurt this team well more than we have really even talked about. I mean, it's abundantly clear. Well, well now the defense doesn't even look like the problem, like in any way. So. Right, because they have some normalcy. Yeah. Timmy Jernigan's yeah, back. back. The two corners are back. Like it, there, there's. Nate Gary is playing at a Nigel Bradham level, which, by the way, <laughs> is not that great. Yeah, but I know you're lower Bradham, so yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, evidence is low on Bradham. To be fair, I think he is probably the most overrated player in the entire defense. But um, <clears throat> I think when we look at this team and compare it to last year, they're a resourceful team. They've that Packers game. On paper, they shouldn't have won. Yeah, that's that, the best win they've had in two years. Right, the Patriots game... With, with Wentz, I should say. The Patriots game, on paper, should not have been as close as it no. was. Especially, like, yeah, it's all about the, the offense. This team can't score. Right, so I think, like, if the offense can have those those moments, which they've shown a little bit when they run the ball very well, they can win games and they can put together some momentum. The problem is with Jordan Howard's sideline, we don't know how long he's going to be you're, out. You're seeing how important he is to this team. Yeah. On on the flip side, Alshon Jeffrey, who really on paper is not that important. Um, but just physically being in the lineup is important. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Doug Peterson talked on Monday and really didn't give... Any uh, updates. Yeah. yeah, it was like it was a very... Uh, you're indirect saying, You're saying even, le- even less than usual? Yeah. yeah, like he said they're progressing well. <laughs> Terrific, Doug. Um, he's never once said they're progressing poorly. So. <laughs> I mean, I think like injuries can be a large excuse for this season and why it fell on its face. And I think there's some justification there. My issue is more of the lack of adjustment, especially on the offensive side of the ball. For yeah. an offensive head coach to not be equipped with consistent you know, reinforcements... I just think it's a disservice to the team, especially. Look, you've in, you've extended Doug Peterson. You know he's a Super Bowl head coach. You know that this roster on paper looked like it could win a Super Bowl again or get back to the Super Bowl again uh, in the off season, and then you lose a lot of notable talent or some talent doesn't live up to expectations, and you do nothing about it. It's very very hard for an offensive play caller when he has a guy like Mac Hollins who's never <laughs> going to be targeted. To field a proper offense, teams don't respect Matt Collins. Teams don't respect J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Jordan teams, Matthews. <laughs> teams shouldn't respect Nelson Aguilar. Like, this is this is a problem. And, look, Carson Wentz, we'll get more into this later, but Carson Wentz has been both um, a victim of his lack of weapons and also a guy who has tried to press and tried to do the extravagant plays that he's done in the past without much return. And I think... You're, 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 you're not equipping your head coach, who's a brilliant play caller in a lot of aspects, and your wide receiver, who has some brilliant talent to him, when, when, you, don't, when you basically ignore issues. I mean, this wide receiver position's been an issue all season long. It's not like the Redskins game, Deshaun Jackson had three impressive catches, but that was really the biggest con- contribution from the wide receiver unit. All year, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, look, Deshaun Jackson still... <laughs> has more yardage and touchdowns than Matt Collins, who has started pretty much every game since he's been out of the line. Collins finally played a little less this last week. Uh, but, uh, but right. I mean, so it's funny. Like, I don't think we would have predicted before the season that wide receiver would, number one, be the biggest problem they have. But mm-hmm. number two, like, if they had a halfway capable receiver, they would have won two more games at least right now. If they had somebody who, who could catch a pass and down the field, like, that... that I think Howie Roseman deserves a lot of the lot of the blame for the team struggling, which we've talked about. 
But even just like the way, like I get that they're not as talented, but the way Doug and Mike Rowe and Carson Walsh have been using the receivers just like confuses me. We've talked about Matt Collins. We don't need to talk about him anymore. <laughs> um, but just the way that you, like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside made two good catches. One of them was called back because of a penalty. The, the one late in the game was like a legitimately good catch, good play. He looked athletic. He played less than Jordan Matthews by a significant margin. Jordan Matthews is signed last week and does not have any dynamic. I mean, it's not like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is a deep threat by any stretch, but like what, what? I don't understand that. They've been hyping up for the last eight weeks how, you know, he's Alshon Jeffrey's backup, but we really like what he's showing us the last week. You know, he knows three positions now. He played like 17 snaps, and Jordan Matthews played like 50-something. Well, and they, they were banking, too, the whole week, and you could tell this. Even if they weren't actually saying it, they were alluding to it. Jordan Matthews has a ton of chemistry with Carson. Jordan Matthews knows the offense, all this stuff. He was targeted six times. He caught one pass for six yards. Um, if anybody's not getting separation, it's that guy. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> you know, he's faster than Alshon Jeffrey. But he might be faster than our single white side, too. I don't know. Yeah, but maybe like, not. I don't know. I don't know. At some point, you just need to rip the Band-Aid off. Your wide receivers aren't being productive just, anyway. Just play Put the, the rookie. rookie. Play, play the rookie. rookie. Whatever. What do you What do you stand to, to lose? That's what. That's the, that's the thing I don't get. Like, why? I mean, the Mac Hollins thing, him not playing over Mac just confounds me already. But Well, and Mac I mean, again. He, gra- he grades out well, though. So. Again, <laughs> did not know where to line up at least twice when Although, I was and this was like almost a joke because Mac Hollins actually was open on a route and Carson overthrew him and everybody was joke. I mean, we, I think we mentioned this after the game, but everybody was like, maybe Carson was so confused about how open he was that he just panicked and threw it over his head. He got really <laughs> excited, man. Um, saw that six. I mean, that's, that's the state of the receiver receiving core. Like the fact that they're finally open and and Carson happens to have a bad throw in them. Like there's they're so rarely open that he needs to hit it when they are. And that's unfortunate that it has to be like that for him, but that's just the reality of where they are. Yeah, Carson has no room for error. Yeah, that and, and, and that's tough, but if you're an elite quarterback, you you make those plays when they're there. And I think I wanted to talk about this a little bit more because I think yeah, there's talking two about Carson. We we I brought this up in the podcast after the game. There's a group I'm always, everybody always says, oh, well, you focus too much on what Twitter says. But Twitter's a really good litmus test for for the thought base. It's not the only one, but yeah, it's a good one. Um, You know, there's a side that just wants to absolve Carson of pretty much all blame because of his weapons. And then there's a side that really wants to go in on Carson. Like too much, yeah. Too much. Look, Carson can have bad weapons and also play poorly on his own right. Uh... Doug Peterson actually offered his biggest critique of Carson since we've been covering the team on Monday. Said the biggest thing that he could learn from this past game is there were plays in in the passing game that were there. You know, he missed them, you know, from reads. He missed them with throws. And you know what? He tried to play hero ball quite a bit. He pressed for the first time since the Dallas game. And the, the two games that he's really, the three games that he's really pressed in are the Atlanta, the Dallas, and this game. And this was easily his worst home game that I can recall yeah. covering the team, at least. Um, he held on to the ball for a really long time. He took, he was responsible for at least three of his sacks, if yeah, I can the remember. The offensive line didn't play well. Also. Right, yeah, yeah. Once uh, Lane Johnson went down. But, right, yeah. and it kind of reminded me of when Nick Foles had to play without Brendan Brooks in the Saints playoff game. Mm-hmm. This past year, it just like everything. Just like the energy got removed, yeah. Right, they had two great they were up drives. 10-0. Yeah. yeah, they had two great That's drives. Great, yeah, I mean, it really was so simple because they were up fourteen to zero in that game, mm-hmm. and, and everybody in the building just felt the Eagles losing that Saints game after that. Like even though they were up two touchdowns. Like, yeah, I, I turned I, either to you or the writer to my left who shall not be named, and <laughs> it was like, wow, this really feels like the Saints game. Um, but 
again, I think like Carson's playing well. If I had to give him a grade for the overall season, I would give him a B. Yeah. Um, I understand Pro Football Focus is grading him very highly. Yes. Uh, and that leads to a lot of conjecture. But he he's had flaws in his game. Like, there's no question. He's missed some throws. This was the most probably evident misthrowing performance of his of this season where there was some justification Yeah, especially that last drive where he missed Ertz twice. <clears throat> Listen, when you're having to make up for your, your wide receiver's lack of talent, you're going to press. Over, you might overdo it, yeah. Right. I don't blame Carson for having missed throws. Everyone has missed throws. Yeah. But when you have a, you know, a really low margin for error, that you know, what are you going to do, right? I mean, you're going to be judged based on that. I think Carson has yet to put the, the offense on his back because he can't, like, even if you make an incredible play and dodge a, 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 a defender or whatever, and you throw the ball downfield, somebody else still needs to catch. It's a two-way street. Somebody still needs to catch the ball. And so I've gotten criticism before for saying, like, they haven't had him play Superman, but, like, he can't. Like, they can't design plays that are long to develop, so he can't. He doesn't have a lot of time to think. He's going to have to take what the defense gives him because, frankly, most of these guys can't run deep routes. And they're not getting open. And I think, like, Carson's got to live to see another day sometimes. He's got to throw the ball away sometimes. He needs to have a better feel for the pocket at times. A lot of the times we marvel about him getting hit or him getting held for a potential sack and then getting out of it. Sometimes those situations are created by himself because he's in the pocket for so long. He's just able to elude. Um, I just think... Carson does have a lot to learn. He's not a perfect quarterback. He's not right now playing like an elite quarterback, but he is a very good and talented quarterback. Yeah. Um, you got a confused look on your face. What's up? <laughs> no, no. Just, just <laughs> NBA updates. Uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, you're right. He had, there, I can't even think of the last game where he put the team on his back and won. The, the, the Packers game, he was a game manager. They ran the ball. The Bills game, like... He's made some good throws throughout the course of this season, even last season. Like they didn't have any big wins before he went down, right? Uh, no, no, not really. I mean, like not anything that you would well, be like. They, like, they, they like they beat the Colts, right? And the, but the Colts weren't good at that point. His, his most signature win, in my opinion, is still the primetime game against Carolina. Yeah, too. That's what I'm saying, though. Since like in the last two years, the signature wins were. I mean. We're not going to get into this discussion, but Nick Foles was the quarterback when they had right. the biggest wins. And I would argue the Rams game. When, where a quarterback won the game for them. <clears throat> right. And I'd argue the Rams game before he got injured yeah. was going to be a signature win. He won that game. Nick yeah, Foles yeah. made some throws, but he won right, that for game. For sure, for sure. Uh, but, but yeah, so, you, you know, I mean, you had the Texans game last year, the Rams game last year. You had the playoff game. I and mean, Foles wasn't that good in the playoff game. Yeah, but, and Foles wasn't that good in the Rams yeah. game. Either. And also, it probably looked good for Carson that in a week where he struggled, Nick Foles also didn't play very well. <laughs> yeah, they're calling for his head in Jackson. Are they already? Yeah, that's because that they love G Minshew. Yeah, G Minshew. <laughs> the mustache. Oh, I like that. G-Minchu. That's what Bill Simmons calls him all the time. That's why I thought of that. But, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, it's a very interesting point because, you know, they're paying him to be the guy that can put the team on his back. And, it's, and like, it. It's just not going to happen with this group around him. Like he has to be a Superman to do it. Like, and you bring up a great point and something that a lot of people have written about how he's getting paid an enormous yeah. amount of money. It's not his fault that he's getting paid that. Well, it is because he's good. Well, but they, I'm saying like it, it's not his fault they gave him the money, right? <laughs> yeah. um, like whenever a guy gets criti- like overly criticized for his money, it's not his fault that he yeah, has the money. Well, yeah. I was thinking in a different yeah. direction. I know, I know, I know. You're paying a high-priced CEO, right, of a company. To do well, but it's hard to for for that guy to have production 
when the people under him who he didn't hire are are constantly messing up. You know what I mean? Oh man, I can already feel our bosses emailing us. Be like, well, Mike, that's a great analogy. <laughs> um, but it, it that's the thing. You're not giving Doug a lot of pieces to play with. You're not really giving Carson a lot of options. We've talked about it several times. This team, while they like 12 personnel, is a team in the NFL. So they're going to use a lot of 11 personnel. And when you have, in 11 personnel, you should have five different options to pass in. He He's two, got four. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and two of them aren't that good. Yeah. So, like, I mean, look, the Titans have played really good football this year. Like, really good football. Yeah. I know Dallas Goddard's numbers aren't insane, but, like... He, he shows flashes. He does. Um, but, again, I mean, so I, I think that when a tight end is your best weapon and the number three, four, five, and six options are just non-existent, like, you're just not going to win. Like, Zach Gertz is great, and he's dynamic, and he's an athlete, but he's not going to catch the ball more than 10 yards down the field, and he's not going to run the ball very far after he catches it. Like, that, that's the So if if your, your best player is the one in the middle of the field, he had a pretty good game against the Patriots, even if... Stephon Gilmore had some not so nice things to say about him, mm-hmm. um, but Which is, he had 94 yards. I know I that, was a, that was the thing. Like there, a few weeks ago, maybe if you had said that, but yeah, uh, and he and it was against Gilmore when he had a lot of his catches yeah. too. Uh, but anyway, so like Zach, I mean, you saw this last year. Zach Ertz had games where he was getting like 13 catches for mm-hmm. 95 yards and a touchdown, and the Eagles aren't winning. Like you need more than Zach Ertz to do his thing. Well, and there were reports. You and I were texting about this the other night. There were reports that like. Teams within the locker room, players within the locker room are complaining that they were targeting Ertz too much. And I do think there's some logic to that. Not in the way that the complaints were. I think sometimes it's just like when we're writing, right? When we know we have to write something and we consistently write, you know, comparable stuff. It's because you get in this mode of being in this thing and churning out content sometimes. When you're a quarterback, you have a safety net. It's easier to target the guy that you trust for five yards than the guy you tr- that you don't trust for 10 yards and probably no gain. You know what I mean? So I think there's some times where that does creep into Carson. Uh, if you're looking at his progressions, we don't know his progressions, but if you just kind of logically look where he's looking, um, that's interesting to me. I just think that the, the regression of Nelson Aguilar has been a huge sticking point of this like season. Absolutely. Um, if he's like he is in 2017, they win at least one, probably two or three more games. I mean, he made that 19-yard catch in that game, and I almost tweeted out, like, the Patriots must, like, wake up in cold sweat seeing Nelson Aguilar with possession catches. And then he goes and... (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, The dude can't track deep balls, and I don't get it. Well, and Doug Peterson came to his defense and said that it would have been a really tough catch. But it would have been a real... (laughs) But it would have been a really tough catch only because of the way he he tracked it. it. Right. Um, But, like... Whatever the excuse is, that would have been hard. Well, they're in the NFL because they're supposed to be very good at their jobs. Like, you know, it's just like, I, I just, there's no explanation for it. Like, I don't know if it's the poor coaching jobs of, you know, the last two wide receiver coaches, but you don't just regress like that. It's on the player, like a lot of it. Right. Like, I mean, Carson Walsh can't go out there and catch the ball for Nelson Aguilar. Although that would be really funny to watch. <laughs> He's, he like ran in. Because <laughs> he's a little. Um, whatever. He's anyway. got to be the shortest coach in the NFL. Yeah. he. Well, there was a scout that I saw. And normally scouts are former players that kind of just like wash out of the D3 college. And he must have been like 
two inches shorter than Walsh. Like, at least. So I was like, huh, what did he play? (laughs) But, Um, but yeah, I mean, to your point, like, I think, I don't think Walsh is going to be here next year. He probably shouldn't be. Um, I wonder what they do if they grow the receivers or something. But, like, frankly, I I was, I, I was, I wonder, like, how much weight. Doug put Doug himself like puts on the position coach and how much he puts on the player himself because now Aguilar regressing is a lot of it's on him. How much does how much does Nelson Aguilar weigh? Probably like I can look it up. Probably like one ninety. That's how much weight he puts on it on the player. <laughs> Sorry, it was a bad joke. Okay, um, I'm not looking it up now. Yeah, don't do that. It, it was it was a clear Thanks setup. For wasting if my you time. were listening, Thanks for you, wasting my time. You're welcome. I mean, that's all what I do anyway. <laughs> Thanks, but, listeners. I mean, we've talked about Aguilar, like, almost every week, it seems like, on here, because you're just waiting for, like, the dude. There, there's been so much stuff on Twitter, like, just screenshots of all the different catches that he should have had that would have made a huge difference. There, there's a, it's kind of funny, but um, he, maybe it's not, but there's, like, someone, I guess in 2016, tweeted a photo of, like, Jordan Matthews talking to Nelson Aguilar, and it was, like, a joke about him dropping the ball and then he's like this is 2019 now <laughs> um so here's why i say you put a lot on walsh for one jj or single white side yeah for the group you put a lot yeah on the walsh. group i mean the group you have to put on yeah him. yeah especially the young guys but like alshon jeffrey's regressed i mean i think that's due to injury i mean he had that calf injury and he's not looked the same since he might never be the same for all we know right um Matt Collins, like, out a year, and just, like, Matt Collins had some flashes that Super Bowl year. I mean, people were pretty high on him. Yeah. um, Here's what's interesting, and I was thinking about this. I I don't mean to go off on, like, another thing, but we we know coaches have their guys, and we know the front office has their guys, right? I was thinking about this the other day. Everybody's got on Jim Schwartz for really being favorable of Jalen Mills. But Jalen Mills is now playing at a level where you're like, okay, cool, I, I see why they feel that way. Nathan Gary, they've been high on Nathan Gary. Well, he's had a lot of missed tackles. There, are, He's had some moments where he's kind of flashed some brilliance. He can be a backup linebacker for them. Yeah. Right. I mean, I just wouldn't have him play middle linebacker. You could probably have him as a two-down linebacker, yeah. honestly. Um, I Like, you're seeing why certain guys, they like certain... Isaac Samalu has overcome a lot of obstacles. They've been very positive about him. Uh... You know, Matt Collins is a guy the front office clearly likes, but, like, when are we going to see why, (laughs) you know? That's a double W question. When will we see why they like, you know what I mean? It's like... Speaking of Mills, they should extend that, dude. Yeah, they should. He's Um, been better than he was before the injury. I never saw that coming. Yeah, I tweeted this out last night, um, or, or the other night. He's got the third best defender versus quarterback completion or uh um passer rating number in the league over, since week seven 57.7 he's holding quarterbacks to a 57.7 passer rating when they're targeting him that's I think he pretty was, impressive. i think he was targeted nine times this week gave up three catches for i believe 11 yards it's pretty good he also had a really nice run stop for no game i mean he's he's been re- like it, definitely he, exceeded i mean i i as the season went along we're like yeah they miss him but they missed, like, his confidence and ability to move on from bad play. He hasn't given up bad plays. Like, this is the best he's ever played. Right. The DBs are actually, like... And him and Darby are the, are the winning combination. Like, it's crazy to, the, like, you just circle back to the original. Because I don't think before the season we would have ever predicted that. Right. It's very... Well, yeah, they won a Super Bowl. But, yeah, 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 yeah I know. Yeah, but you know, still, like, just the way they played last no, year and the injuries and 
like Darby, he had some bad moments, but he's been pretty good the last couple weeks too. So that's the funny thing. Like defense, I feel like for a while we were talking about the problems on the defense and all the injuries. Now they're, they're relatively healthy, and a lot of guys are playing their best right now. Fletcher Cox is himself. Graham was a little quieter this last week. You and I are both high on Jannard Avery. Nate Gary's playing well. TJ Edwards, when he gets his chance, is playing well. Mm-hmm. Um, Malcolm has struggled a little bit, but that's relative to what you expect of him. I think it's more mental struggles yeah. than physical, which is kind of weird. Considering he's getting older, yeah. Yeah, and he's been in this defense forever. But anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, so there's a lot of positives on defense. There's not a lot of positives on offense. So um, we brought up the Super Bowl. Somebody who I want to talk about is J.J. Okay, so they bring oh, yeah. so they bring him in Didn't on play. Friday. They had him dress. He wore number 28 in honor of Wendell, Wendell Smallwood, Smallwood whose number was retired, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, he had to probably reach out to Wendell to get the approval. <laughs> um, dressed, watched the game. He served the roles of, of a spectator. Um, why did they wait until Friday? So I, here's why. I know. Doug Peterson you. said that um, they were really optimistic that Jordan Howard would be cleared for contact. He practiced in a limited capacity throughout the week. Typically, if you practice throughout the week, even if you're limited... You're probably but he, but he wasn't the, clear for contact though. Right, right, yeah. right. But the thought process was they yeah. they thought that he could make that still, progress. I still want to sign a giant on Thursday. Oh, a hundred percent. But that was the logic there. Yeah. Uh, if Howard cannot play this week, uh, Peterson expects him to be a part of yeah. the offensive game plan. I think you. What I would do is I would make him a short yardage back so he can get used to the contact. You're also not complicating the run. Uh, dynamics, like, just run forward. You know what I mean? Run up the right guard. Run up the left guard. You know, just a basic package of a handful of plays. If you have to run a couple of plays multiple times, whatever. Um, Because Miles Sanders isn't a short yardage back. Boston Scott, I'm not sure we've seen enough to know what he is. Yeah. Um, There was a brief moment where it looked like he was going to be the number one running back last week. Yeah, he looked pretty competent. Uh, They also have to not... Get away from the run because that's why I that's part of the reason why I thought they lost. The well, how many touches Sanders have in the second half? It was like four, three, four. Yeah, I mean that's it. He was targeted as a receiver once. Yeah, like that's not good, especially if Howard's that. Like, first of all, if Howard doesn't play against the Seahawks, I'm not confident they can win anyway. Yeah, I'm not either. Um, but you if you, you have to at least give the kid again, it's give the kid a chance. Like, yeah, I mean I think they give really, a chance. Come on, they need to really extend the, these rookies. In their roles, because at this point, they're playing like a five and five team. Five and five teams normally end up as eight and eight teams. Yes. You know what I mean? So, what do you have to lose by having these guys See go if out? See the there? young guys can help you right now instead of nine right. And, nine. and if they can, you feel optimistic, even if you finish nine and seven and don't win the divisions. You got something out of it. Speaking of those rookies, Andre Dillard might play right tackle this, this week. Interesting. They they really didn't want to do that this year. Right. But, you know, say la vie. Um, Lane Johnson. Uh, Lane Johnson left the game in the second quarter with a concussion. We brought that up earlier. That's kind of when the wheels fell off. I mean, it's a pretty important person to keep an eye on. Right. Uh, as of Monday, he was in stage one of the concussion protocol. And there's, what, six stages or something? Five. Five stages. Um, he has to make it through all. And then he has to probably practice this week. Yeah. Uh, At least on Friday. Yeah, yeah to play. Um, pr- it's Doug not Peterson a, not didn't ideal. sound... All that optimistic, but then again, head injuries can be weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it could linger beyond next this week, too. Like, that's the nature of head injuries. Right, and the fact that he had to kind of be carted off. He also apparently, like, came back in the game or something like that. I saw, I think, McLean reported that. He, like, he like hurt his head, and he kept playing, and then it kept getting worse or something, which isn't great, but... Yeah, not terrific. <laughs> but, you know, you also have to listen to the play. Like, if yeah. the player's not 
bringing stuff up. But if they're without Lane, that means that Dillard's at right tackle. You have less depth at tackle. That means Vi- Peters inevitably will leave the game at some point, so that means Vitae is going to play at left tackle. At right. Some point. Um, the thought process there for me would be I would train Dillard as the swing tackle and still have Vitae start. And if Vitae's playing poorly, then Just you put, put Dillard in. in the Because of the event, if Peters goes out. Yeah. Right. And you can say, oh, you know, maybe... So I'm guessing they wouldn't move Dillard to the left if Peters went out, right? Right. In theory, you wouldn't. Um, I mean, they also don't want to get worse at two positions. Yeah. So the thought process could be, you do start V at right tackle, and then Dillard just replaces whoever. Yeah. That's what I would do. Uh, they also have Matt Pryor, who can play right tackle and left guard. The thing that you run into, and the reason why you have to cross-train Dillard, is because if Jason Kelsey gets injured, you're gonna have Good to point. move Steph- You're gonna have to move Isaac Sayamalu to center, <laughs> and then of, what a mess that this would all be. And then you would have Matt Pryor Matt play Pryor left play guard. Um, this feels like something that'll happen because that's the Eagle season, <laughs> right? And so if Lane Johnson's not there, you have Matt Pryor playing left guard. You have V at right tackle. Oh man, um, you need to be able to, and then you have Isaac moving over. You you got to have that backup for jason peters and you don't want to move a rookie mid-game yeah that actually ties well so like we can transition out into the comments on our uh, post-game pod because the first one is actually about dillard um keep these coming guys we love when you guys comment on youtube or whatever um brent donaldson says they need to make dillard the starter having jason peters start is just wrong he never finishes games then you have to bring a player in cold it's just dumb there's a lot of people who seem to think this about Dillard starting over Peters, but I don't think they're going to do that. Peters is still playing at a high level. I, I mean, I know he keeps leaving, but like unless he leaves for a really long amount of time again, I, I don't know. That, them cross-training him at right tackle is interesting to me, is all I'll say. Yeah. And he does give you more options. You benching Jason Peters really... Jason Peters really only that plays left tackle. And that wouldn't be a hit in the locker room, I imagine. So. Yeah, I don't think that that would... At least among certain people. Uh, right. t- Tyler Tabor says, can we please sign Antonio Callaway? He's going to be suspended for 10 games, so I'd say probably not. And even then, I wouldn't... Yeah. I, I he's not good a, enough to deal with all that. He's yeah. not a good fit for this locker room no. at all. Uh, C. Trues, T-R-U-S-Z, put it this way, we ain't getting a wild card, so we got to beat the Cowboys. You're not wrong there. Jamie and Candace Palmer, we have to get rid of Carson Walsh. We need our receivers to step the hell up. Good show, guys. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> you throw out the insult, and then you compliment the guys that host. I get it. Hey, beautiful. My favorite couple. Uh, that one has a curse word. <laughs> Can't make the wild card. Let's see. Okay, that's too long. Sorry, guys. Uh, let's see here. Uh, life, is, life is for the living 20, says. Also, just keep in mind how poorly the receivers are playing is also an indictment on Carson. I think he's saying Wentz. He misses receivers. They also don't get the ball unless Carson throws it to them. I mean, that's true. <laughs> Scientifically, <laughs> that's correct. Yes. <laughs> we can't disagree with that last point. <laughs> I agree with your hypothesis. <laughs> uh, Brent Donaldson says, The fact is they tried to lock up the Super Bowl roster with age around Carson, but it's looking more like they need a rebuild around a so-called franchise quarterback, paying him a huge deal. This might get so bad going forward because it looks like Howie is one foot in the future, one foot in the past. How do you make that work? The offense has to get young and quick. I think we've kind of said that. I 100% agree yeah. with that. It yeah, does it's, of... it's the whole idea of him having his cake and eating it, too. He wants to get younger and also wants to sign a bunch of old guys. Like... So, not to go off on a side story, but um, I went to sleepaway camp in, in North Carolina, and there's a theme park there uh, that used to be owned by Paramount called Carowinds. And 
in between Carowinds, you can step in South Carolina and North Carolina. And I just imagine Howie Roseman just jumping back and forth. When he's trying to make his decisions, whether he wants to be in South Carolina or North Carolina. <laughs> you want to be in North Carolina. <laughs> um, but, because that's where the Wayne's World yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. part of the thing is. All right, Sam, still there. Sam Kogan says, I've defended Carson a lot this season, but his play today is indefensible. I'm tired of hearing about the receiving corpse. He had open receivers out there and underneath routes, but Carson is too often looking for the big plays. Take what the defense gives you. Take your checkdowns. And Chip, not Kelly, away at the defense. Chip, not Kelly, away at the defense. I like, I like that. pun, uh, especially when you punctuate it. I think you pretty much have like kind of said that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, that's accurate. I think... Maybe a little harsh, but yeah. I mean, Doug Peterson kind of alluded to yeah. that. I've said it a couple of weeks. I agree with it. I do think that that is a coaching point. Like, Carson is going to Carson. You know what I mean? And I think Doug Peterson needs to do... And Press Taylor, for that matter, who we never bring up, needs to do a better job yeah. of kind of enforcing I mean, that. Wentz hasn't really gotten better this year. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I wanted to read this one because you and I were trying to figure out who he was talking about. David X U. I don't want to pronounce that wrong. I hate, the, <laughs> I hate the lighter voice guy on this show. He keeps interrupting the other guy. <laughs> we we could not figure out. So does he mean like lighter in volume, lighter in like the way he talks? Like so we don't we cannot figure out who he's talking about. So if I, anyone, if David's listening to this episode for some reason, tell us. I'm Zach, the one talking right now. You talk. I'm Mike. <laughs> so what? Tell us who has the lighter. Who's the lighter voice guy? <laughs> I would love it if he just wrote you like Y O U, or somebody else tell us. We want to know. Um, all right, we can end on that. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, leave us some more comments. We'll try and get a preview pot in later this week. And uh, thanks for listening. Peace.